0: to episode 119 of the Various History Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is hosting more events than any of you are this week, John Scott Sloat. Yeah, event hosting.
1: Yeah. Being responsible to get people to things when they you have no control over whether whether they get there or not yeah. is is the bane of my
0: existence <laughs> the bane i despise it okay okay yes they're good events though let's let's clarify that yeah they're good events yeah i mean this is you know not something that is unenjoyable or unimportant but just mm-hmm. yeah the 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 weight rests heavy upon your shoulders this mm-hmm. week
1: yes yeah Yes, uh, glad we have Friday off. That'll be that'll be nice. Yeah, and then next week we're uh, we're out of town. We're going on a trip.
0: We are, we are. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, do you have Easter plans? Like what, what, what? Uh, dinner at my folks' house? Okay, so I'm all right, headed up that way. Gotcha. The Goshen way. Yes. You know. How about yourself? Uh, we will go to Ohio to see my family for the day. Okay. So. Yes, indeed. Um, If you'd like to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and on YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. And we would greatly appreciate, on whatever platform you access the show, leaving a five-star rating and a review. Mm -hmm. I haven't checked if we've gotten enough on Spotify, so this is a special – a uh, request for our Spotify listeners i know some of you have rated the show and gotten the message of the show hasn't received enough ratings to show the like the actual aggregate of that so um if you're a spotify listener please uh, do us a solid that direction. So, and I'm checking Apple right now.
1: I don't have Spotify, so. We
0: uh, – I checked yesterday and there were no new reviews. OK. So you're, you're already have so, this. All right. I think, I think we've got that covered. Uh, John, it was a busy weekend in sports. Oh, boy, was it? Yeah. So uh, you want to start a little Masters? Yeah, Masters. Uh, Scotty uh, Scheffler yeah. uh, won uh, and
1: was way ahead.
0: Yeah. There were a couple moments in the final round where the lead shrunk down to like two or three, but it never felt like he was never felt like it was out of out hand, out of hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know nothing about him. Do you know anything about Scotty? Uh just that he's been on a tear, and I think he's now the number one ranked golfer in the world. He's twenty five. Wow. Uh, and uh, you know again, I, I know how much you love the the merging of athletics and Christianity. Oh, boy. But there was a tweet um, where uh, – of a snippet from the post-tournament uh, press conference where he openly talked about his faith in Christ. Oh, well, good. Good. And and not in a Tebow way probably. Yeah, it's the so. Tebow way that bothers me.
1: <laughs> the, the sort of positivism, Christianity, yeah. athletics sort of thing.
0: No, it was actually very me. good because – uh, I forget how I forget what the question was, but basically he talked about how um his identity is not found in being an elite golfer, yeah, um, it was really good, just um grounded in his it's like my goal out there is to glorify God, and uh my wife constantly reminds me my relationship with God is what matters most, that I'm secure in him, and that frees me up to play you know. In a way that's not putting undue pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, did you see the guy he was paired with on the last day? I did not. Cameron no. Smith. Have you, okay. Okay. Um, I, he um, he looks more like a baseball player. And what I mean by that is he's got the long hair. So, you know, you wear okay. the baseball – you know, yeah. like the the cap. And so you get the long fl- – he looked like he could – Stroll out onto the mound at, hmm. um, you know, at any baseball stadium. He had that kind of look, and he had uh, not quite the dirty stash, but like the stash. It was an interesting look he was okay. rocking there. Hmm. But apparently, he's like won two or three tournaments already this year as well. So, wow. okay. the changing of the guard, um, and of course, Tiger. Uh, that was a big story. Tiger made, made, made the cut. Made the
1: cut, and did so pretty well. I think he was one over after two days, two over maybe.
0: Yes. And then now, he had a rough weekend.
1: Yeah. I think, I think uh, his injuries caught up with him a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You
0: could tell. Um, <clears throat> I mean, was that car accident a year ago? 14 months. Okay. I heard it this morning. 14 months ago. And before that, he was recovering from back surgery. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that he was able to make the cut is impressive. I mean, I know Tiger's not a guy who's like moral victory kind of guy, but I mean, realistically – it was, yeah. it was impressive. It was, yeah, and um, so and, and for the first day, he was in the mix. You know, he was within yeah. striking distance, yeah. and yeah. So, um, the NBA regular season has come to an end. Play-in tournament begins on Tuesday. When this drops, right? Yes. So, uh, how do you feel about the um, NBA play-in tournament?
1: Um, you know, honestly, I just had up my app looking at the standings and it changes – I have to like reorient myself because I'm used to seeing like that dotted line underneath the eighth seed sort mm-hmm. of saying these teams get in. And now it's right. like a dotted line – what is it?
0: Under six and uh, – and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the Eastern Conference, uh, this episode will drop April 12th, Tuesday, April 12th. So uh, you've got the Cavs, the eighth seed. Against the Brooklyn Nets, which is so crazy to think like talent-wise. Oh, yeah. you know The Nets are arguably one of the most talented teams in the East mm-hmm. and yet here they are in the, in the seventh. So, uh, so the winner of that game gets the seventh seed between the Cavs and the Nets. They're, they lock in their spot. The loser then plays the winner of the Hornets and the Hawks, the 10 versus the 9. And then the uh, the winner of that second game gets the eighth spot. So – and then in the west, uh, you've got Clippers versus the Timberwolves for the seventh seed. And then the loser of that game will play uh, the winner of the Spurs and Pelicans game. So, um, I mean – My interest is in a in the Cavs. I mean, the fact that they made the playoffs is is um, a big deal, and uh, and even in the Nets because you know that's a team that if if they figure it out, like they could win the East. Yeah, and are are they are they healthy? I don't know that Ben Simmons has played yet.
1: Uh, Yeah, if they could get Ben Simmons back or at all and uh, and remain healthy and and get hot, they can make a run. When
0: you've got Kyrie and KD, I mean, you can make a run. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, noticeably missing from the playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. Yeah, um, talk about a dumpster fire that season has been. For the and game. they just fired their coach yes, Monday morning. Uh, not surprising at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that 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 the season looked doomed pretty early on. Between accumulating an All Star team from like 2013. Maybe even before that, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you add injuries and that had no chance. That had no chance. Uh, baseball's begun.
1: Yeah. It's been fun. So how are the Mets doing? I, I have not paid one bit of attention. Um, the Mets opened a four-game series in Washington mm-hmm. uh, and we won three of four. Okay. Which is, you know, what what you want. And, yes. And uh, today we start a three-game set in Philly. And so that should be a lot of fun also. Uh, Philadelphia. Do you know much about the Philadelphia Phillies this year? No, not this year. OK. So they've loaded up on a bunch of guys that are great bats, great offensive talents, mm-hmm. but can't play any defense whatsoever. Okay, And so kind of the joke is Phillies are going to find a way to win games 13 to
0: 12, you know. So they're – they're trying the like church softball league approach, basically, basically. <laughs> Although I don't,
1: does church softball still limit the number of home runs you can hit in a game?
0: I don't, I don't know. Okay, it's been years since I've played. I think um, I played one season. Um,
1: so yeah, that that's the Phillies. Uh, but the Mets, the, they look good. Um, they've put, I think their lowest total was two runs in a game, and that was the game they lost. So everything else had four or more runs, I believe. Uh, pitching all looked really, really good, and. Uh, yeah. Off to a good start. It's a lot of fun. I'm winning my fantasy baseball matchup for the first week of the season here. Okay. Against the guy that won our bracket
0: challenge. Yes. Uh, I did speak with him last night actually. Yeah. Did you? Okay. I did. So we've confirmed what book he's- What did he choose? He chose Rebels and Exiles. Good for him. Uh, now, in fairness, he said, well, the only book of yours I have already is asking the right questions. So he's like, I don't know. Which one do you think I should get? So- okay I I, I kind of steered him that direction yeah but i'm I'm beating him pretty good right now in
1: fantasy baseball hopefully okay. that continues yeah that's a little revenge tour for me. <laughs> there you go
0: yeah Grant's a good dude yeah um and then on a much sadder uh, sports note this weekend uh, Dwayne Haskins uh, former Ohio State quarterback won the national championship no so, no nope. He no. Not. Only started one season at Ohio State, okay. did not win a national title, but put up like stupid, crazy numbers. Like he he was sort of the transition figure from the Urban Meyer to the Ryan Day um offense. And he because he I uh, he threw like fifty touchdown passes in a college season, like hmm. crazy numbers. And that has helped accelerate Ohio State's quarterback recruiting. When you know high school quarterbacks are like, "Where can I go? I'm going to get to throw the ball a lot." Now they see, well, Ohio State's going to throw the ball a lot. Yeah. So, um, tragically passed away at age 24, um, hit by a dump truck. I understand trying to cross a busy interstate or or highway or something like that. The, the details still feel a little, yeah.
1: Uncertainty. Early me. in the morning, from what I understand, like six thirty in the morning.
0: Yeah,
1: and, um, at any time life has lost this young, uh, well, it's it's really really sad.
0: And he's tw- yeah he's twenty four. He would have turned twenty five next month. And hmm. um, yeah that 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 hit me a little bit this weekend. Just I mean when you've got a kid that age, you know when you have a son yeah. who's that age and you think mm-hmm. there's a family that lost a son the same age as my son is. Yeah. Um, that's that's hard, um, but yeah, he was uh, he's on the Steelers, and so was down in Florida, working out with some teammates, getting ready for the season, and just uh, just tragic. Yeah. So, hmm. um, I don't know that there's any easy way to transition on. Do you? Uh, no. Do you have I anything else in the sports? I don't think so. That. That seems to pretty much cover it from the weekend. Oh, there was something about the Masters I wanted to talk about. Did you? So, um, of course, the beauty of Twitter is if you want to go somewhere to find out what you should be upset about, there's no better place than Twitter. (laughs) Like if you're looking for what should I be outraged about right now? If you're looking for something to be outraged about, you can find it on Twitter. Yeah. Without question. Without question. Um, But I was watching at this point when when Rory McIlroy, who shot like a 64 on the last day, which is like, if you're not a golf person, like wow. a great round. Yeah. Um he he holed out from the bunker on eighteen to finish his round. Oh, cool. So um well, people were crushing CBS because they're showing another shot. They're showing a guy lining up a putt. And Nick Faldo says, I can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> and they haven't shown it yet. And so he's like, I'm not going to spoil it, but You're not going to believe what what we're about to show you. Well, of course that spoils it, right? Yeah. Then they cut to Rory and you're like, oh, he's hitting a bunker shot. Well, gee, I wonder if it's going to go in. (laughs) And so people on Twitter, of course, were crushing crushing him for spoiling that moment. But what if it was totally different? Like
1: what if he's hitting this bunker shot and he hits a bird? You know, (laughs) as it's like flying – is it's like clearly going to be very close to the hole? It hits a bird or – um, an alligator
0: comes up and swallows it whole or you know Yeah. I I think it's more of the you understand you can't watch everything simultaneously. So sure. you know, you're not gonna capture everything live on a golf tournament. There's just way too many things going on. Mm-hmm. So inevitably you're gonna have those moments where I mean and if you're watching golf, you hear it, right? Like you're watching one thing and a guy's lining up for a putt or a shot, and then you hear the roar mm-hmm. from another hole and you're like oh something big happened there yeah so even that can be a little bit of a spoiler but yeah
1: just i always imagine so all these i mean there's hundreds of cameramen there's a pro, I, there's there's got to be multiple producers and there's got to be a guy in a truck making a call of when do we switch from guy to guy oh, yeah. right yeah um a guy that has a long approach, you know, that that comes to the ball and stands over it for like 15 to 20 seconds, I just imagine the producer in the truck just losing his mind (laughs) the
0: entire time. Hit the ball! Just hit (laughs) it already! We've missed two other shots! Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, golf would not be an easy sporting event to produce like that. Yeah. Um, A lot of moving parts, you know, I mean, with football or even basketball, smaller space, like, you know, you have different camera angles, but for basketball in particular, it's just like one event. You pretty much stay; yeah. everyone's participating in the same action at the same time.
1: You know, and there's one ball to follow.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: Where in golf, everybody brings their own. You yeah. know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right, um, we should move on. Um, let's talk about our main topic for today, which is young, restless and reformed. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk a, first uh, – part of the reason we're talking about this is uh, next week is the final Together for the Gospel Conference yeah. being held in Louisville, um, which uh, I was looking on their website the other day and discovered that they've reached the max capacity. So you cannot – Oh, really? You can't – No read, more tickets. No, no more tickets available. Okay. But they're going to live stream for free. Oh, wow. All of the messages. Hmm. So that's next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, So – And we'll be there. We will. With 18 dear friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we will. Yes, we will. 18 students. Yeah. That's ultimately what I mean. Exactly. All right. So um, that – so we'll talk a little bit about that. uh, But – but what drew our attention to this was an article by Samuel James. Uh, he wrote um, the an article entitled – let's pull up the title here. Um, I've got it if you want me to go. The Young felt- Restless Reformed Movement Wasn't Enough, But It Wasn't a Mistake. So um, let's talk first of all about – what is the young, restless, reformed movement that he's talking about?
1: Sure. Uh, as I understand it, and you probably have more context to this, is probably in the early 2000s, uh, sort of the coming together of young uh, men who were energetic uh, in church planting and a desire to see God's kingdom grow uh, and assembled around reform theology. And we saw this movement begin and things that popped out of it were things like, Together for the Gospel, the Gospel Coalition, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, another – a number of personalities uh, came out in the midst of this. There were a number of rock stars, still are rock stars.
0: Uh, yeah. Let's and, qualify evangelical rock evangelical stars. Evangelical rock yes.
1: stars. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Led to
0: uh,
1: – in some sense, a revival mm-hmm. uh, throughout, the, throughout the country, at least, at least in North America.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah, fair. I think, fair. Um, I, I think that – I don't know if Colin Hansen is the one who coined the the title, Young, Restless, and Reform. But he basically – he wrote a book that describes the emergence of this movement. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, this, uh, this author, Samuel James, is uh, basically um, – in connection with this being the last together for the gospel conference, is kind of reflecting on the uh, this movement, and um, I, I'll just sort of lay out. Uh, well, actually, before we get that, why do you think why was the Young Restless Reform movement so um, so popular? Like, wh- why do you think it took off?
1: So I I kind of came in midstream. I wasn't there at the beginning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I think. It was in part responding to maybe maybe some of the movements of the emergent church through the '90s and uh, some of the some of the more seeker sensitive movements. Or at least that's how I read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a group of men who were interested in theology and those sorts of things, uh, as well as like one thing that the Young Restless Reform Movement did well is they did really pleasing aesthetics, <laughs> right? Like, like the graphics are just stunning for, for just about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think that is in part and it had some great thinkers and leaders at the helm. Yeah. What what are what are your thoughts? Cuz you were a little bit you were in it sooner than I was.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh I I sort of watched it uh emerge and develop um and I think uh what it seemed to do is unite um y- you had people who were um disillusioned with some of the shallowness of what was going on in evangelicalism, some of the sort of seeker-sensitive church growth, like Mm -hmm. gospel-light, pragmatic kind of approaches to Christian life and ministry. And you had people who um, started to latch on to to figures like John Piper Mm -hmm. and um, and even – Lig Duncan and um, John MacArthur and some of these, and they began. And when those when those individuals started to partner together for gospel initiatives to put on conferences and to um, facilitate uh, different gospel initiatives, and in particular with the formation of the Gospel Coalition, you saw that uh, there was this kind of explosive growth of. A renewed interest in reformed theology, mm-hmm. and a a renewed sense of well, you might be Presbyterian, I might be Baptist, but like we can agree uh, on the the central th- essence of the gospel, and we can um, fellowship together, partner together for advancement. And I think the internet was a ma- was a massive factor yeah. in that, where um, you were able to. Uh, connect with others and get exposed to the teaching of others that was um, not as of, not as accessible to you in the '90s, for example. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's a good place to start. So yeah. this, yeah, I, I think the internet's
1: a big a big piece sure. of that. Yeah, we are even talking about together for the gospel this year being live
0: streamed out to everybody. Yeah. Right. So uh, this article – and I've tried to summarize his thesis. It's a short article. We'll post it um, in the show notes. I mean this is not one of these uh, uh, David Brooks think pieces. This oh, is goodness. a yeah. short um, – it will take you three minutes to read it, three, four minutes to read it. It's not even that long probably depending on your reading speed. It was refreshing. Yeah. Something of that length. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've tried to summarize his thesis as this. The Young Restless Reformed Movement was never enough – but it also wasn't a mistake, and he goes on to note that tensions over Trump and race have irrevocably split the movement apart mm-hmm. so first, um, do you agree with that assessment of the young restless reform movement
1: yes i th- and I think it's probably uh, how do I feel about this uh I think it was Trump first and then race. Uh, I think it was that division took, took place and then that led to more divisions. Like I think that was the initial big fracture and then lots of other fractures spra- springing off of that. And I think uh, race is one of those. He mentions Ferguson in there, which I think mm-hmm. is 2014. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think Ferguson I, – I did not feel the fracture of Ferguson it, mm-hmm. as much. Like I was surprised to see that in the
0: article. Yeah, that might be it might be an interesting yeah. You might see that as sort of the initial kind of if you think of the kind of like analogy of a dam like the the initial like small crack in the in the dam that then later events related yeah. to race just like blew that thing open yeah. and now it's a gushing hole as opposed to a crack that was leaking water. Yeah. And you're putting
1: your finger in it and then another one comes open. Yeah. Um,
0: And and basically uh, what what James is arguing here is he's saying, look, if those two things didn't happen, this would not be the last T4G. I agree with that. I agree with that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think – like I remember – do you remember the 2018 T4G conference? That was the one where they where there was some discussion of race racial issues and that was controversial. I don't think I was at that one okay yeah, I remember that one and um, I think part of what was what was so striking about that was um, that you could tell things were beginning to like that mm-hmm. was where I'm like, wow, there's actually controversy here this year like. There was never a controversy no. before really of any significance. But um, you could just feel when certain issues were talked about in the room. Like they had a whole panel on um, Martin Luther King Jr. Hmm. and discussing his legacy and race and those sorts of things. And you could just feel the, the tension in the room over this. Um, and so I, I do think that between – the election of Trump and the, uh, the the racial tensions, that's why Together for the Gospel is coming to an end, mm-hmm. uh, which is sad, which is sad, I think, in many respects. Um, but – Yeah, and, and
1: I know I've had friends who would attend and if we could – would attend Together for the Gospel and would attend the Gospel Coalition – you know, it was it was often seen as the same crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that one year you would go to this to, together for the gospel and one year you – the next year you would go to the gospel coalition. They were in every other year a conference. Right. And and I have friends that would have gone to both of these going like, you know, goodness, I, I don't like where the gospel coalition is on race or politics or mm-hmm. this or
0: that. And, yeah. and therefore I'm not going to go. Right. Yeah. So uh, – In this article, James identifies three benefits of the Young Restless Reformed movement and then uh, identifies three flaws. Uh, He highlights as benefits that it infused spiritual vitality in evangelicalism. I -hmm. think that's obviously true. I would be hard-pressed to argue that even if you didn't like it.
1: Yeah, I I think it's hard to find a church an evangelical church that would not be influenced
0: by this in some way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Either as on board with it or in, there are pockets of evangelicalism that are Against in it. like response sure. to it. Yeah. Sure. Um, it connected pastors and others who felt isolated. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the uh the internet facilitated that uh, significantly. Yeah. I, have, have you ever heard
1: Jared Wilson at Midwestern, his story? Mm-mm. I th- believe he's a pastor in Vermont and was feeling isolated and, and got connected through the internet mm-hmm. to a bunch of these other guys and, and it revitalized his ministry there, caused him to get a, uh, I think, a doctorate and, and got him eventually all the way to Midwestern.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes sense when you consider like – the number of pastors – I mean pastoral ministry can feel very isolating in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And um, pastors can easily uh, feel like, well, there's no one I can really open up to in my congregation. Sure. Because the things that I'm struggling with or frustrated about pertain directly to people in the congregation that I can't violate confidence or um, you know, that sort of thing. So – Uh, And you're hesitant probably or maybe don't have anybody in your immediate area that you're like, we're pretty much Mm like-minded. And so I could kind of open up to that person. So uh, I think that was huge in uh, connecting pastors and beginning to form some of those relational connections for that. Um, And that it produced an explosion of resources. Absolutely. I I think – it is hard to uh, to even begin to catalog the explosion of resources in these areas in terms of books and conferences and online content and um, websites and all that sort of stuff where pastors can now go or even the average layperson can go mm-hmm. and um, find really substantive, good, solid uh, teaching and resources and help. So
1: yeah, – I- a couple of things. I, one thing that came along with this, um, maybe it came out a few years before this movement began, but I would say the ESV Bible. ESV. Uh, well, and in particular, I would say the ESV Study Bible. Study Bible. Yes. Yeah. Came along right as this movement was getting going and became mm-hmm. sort of sort of the hallmark uh, scripture. Uh, yeah, the translation. Go to translation. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And then, uh, and then the other thing is you go to a conference like Together for the Gospel and they give you – 12 to 15 newly published books yeah. uh, as a part of this movement. Yep, um, And that's just wild to me that every other year you could come up with, well, we've limited it to 12 or
0: 15 books that we think right. are influential. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, he also notes uh, three flaws. First, development of a celebrity preacher-teacher culture, 100%. Yep. There was a whole podcast about
1: this uh, this past summer. I don't know if you remember.
0: What was it? What was it called
1: again? I think it was called the the rise and fall <laughs> of uh, of Mars Hill Church. Yeah. Uh,
0: yes. Um, yeah. And that continues to exist, even though I think a number of the leading figures within the sort of Young Restless Reform crowd speak out against it. Mm-hmm. And yet, sometimes I feel like maybe. There are additional things they they could do to um, try to undercut that a little bit more than happens. And you know, I think some of the guys involved in that are utterly indifferent to platform or to following. They like, I just want to preach the gospel, and you know. But I think there are some others who have gone out of their way to cultivate a platform and a following. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I think yeah, that's that's been an interesting. Um, thing there. I side note. Th- this actually gets at one of my biggest um pet peeves about Together for the Gospel.
1: Do you know what it is? Uh that they don't announce who's speaking what session. Yes. Mhm. Yes.
0: To to sort of combat some of that. Yes. Um spoiler alert. Every single person you're putting up on the stage is a big name. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Like I could understand that if it was like, well, we've sprinkled in two or three guys that you've probably never heard of. One guy's a faithful pastor of a church in Arkansas, pastors 100 people, just a faithful guy. We think you'll be blessed by hearing from him. Here's another guy from Idaho. You've never heard of him, pastors a church of 175 people, mm-hmm. but he's faithful. You'll be blessed by him. And we're mixing him in with Mark Dever, Lig Duncan, Al Moeller, and uh, David Platt. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you'd be a little concerned about you know maybe guys would skip out on you know the no name preacher, but all those guys are names, yeah, like please just treat me like an adult <laughs> anyway um second flaw, reliance on pastors and ministry models who were growing, so even though I think there's a sense in which the young restless reform movement was a response to some of the excesses of the church growth movement, the seeker-sensitive model, there was still such an emphasis on growing, Mm -hmm. and that's how you got your platform, and then that's how you were then gaining prominence within this movement.
1: Yeah. And I I think
0: some of those are guys borrowing from some of the church growth guys. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, the tendency within the movement to rely on the back channel instead of strong leadership. What do you think of that one?
1: I, yeah, I was confused by that one. I didn't fully understand it. I was hoping you could explain it to me.
0: Well, I, I think – to me, this sounds like a, a subtle – not so subtle dig at the Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. and how they handled the James McDonald stuff and him leaving the Gospel Coalition network and um, – as well as even Driscoll mm-hmm. that um, with, with a couple of exceptions, looking at you, John MacArthur, um, that – Leaders within like Gospel Coalition uh, were hesitant to take decisive action when it sure from the outside seemed like it needed yeah. to be taken. Hmm. So in, in, in specifically dealing with Driscoll and with um, James MacDonald. So. Guys who are clearly out of control. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So um, – yeah, it's an interesting article, um, but he, here, here's my biggest takeaway. Here's what I so appreciate about this article. We live in a uh, – especially if you think of social media context, something is either all bad or all good. Mm-hmm. We've lost the ability to say, OK, this thing right here has a lot of good stuff to it. But there's also some bad stuff to it. Mm-hmm. But noting that there's bad stuff doesn't mean that we can't appreciate there was really good stuff that came with this. And saying that there's really good stuff about this doesn't mean that we're blind to it had flaws. Mm-hmm. We, we've lost the ability to do that.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. I, I don't think anybody does that. Well, we could be a lot better about that as a society at large.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And this article does do a good job of that, even in its title.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think uh, even the title gets at this in the sense that, um, you know, ultimately, the Young Restless Reform Movement w- was at some level a spontaneous – it's not like three guys sat down and were like, we're going to plan this new movement. It's yeah. going to be called this. It It, it did emerge – organically to a large degree, I think. Um, but as is the case with any movement, even within evangelicalism, it cannot replace the local church. Mm-hmm. And so um, inevitably, uh, it at its best, it was never intended to replace the local church. It was intended to help the local church, to um, – Provoke it to grow in certain ways, and so um, this this is where you, you you know the celebrity culture stuff comes in in that people being more <laughs> people being more interested in what some random person on the internet says is this is false teaching and this is not versus their pastor mm-hmm. that they know and trust and i I won't go into examples on on air but I know specific examples where you've got uh, people who will find stuff online like, "Oh, that person's a false teacher" because they were on some list, and they go to their pastor. And the pastor's like, uh, "No, I don't think that's true at all. I've read that material, and that's not they, they've been sort of guilt by association there, mm-hmm. you know, and." Instead of listening to their pastor that they know loves them and is sharp theologically and is a good thinker, they believe some random blogger who, you know, they don't know from, from Adam. Yeah. That's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah,
1: um, Better blogger than Twitter user, you know, or <laughs> some, something like that. Yeah, like, like your example is very mid to early 2000s, right, with uh, – with a, a blogger they're trusting or something like that. I know there's still well, bloggers out there, right? May,
0: maybe maybe website's a better term than blogger in terms yeah. of like the whole, you know, discernment blogger, discernment website mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Uh, other thoughts on young restless reform, the end of T four G. Yeah, my my joke
1: was that young restless reform was really middle aged, tired, and reformed. You know. Uh, that movement really grew up, you know, guys. That that's
0: what it is now. It started yeah. young, restless, and reform.
1: I, I even think when I when I became a part of it, I think I was on the coattails. I think my first to I think my first Gospel Coalition was 2010,
0: ten mm, or twelve, or no, Gospel Coalition eleven was an odd years. So I think it would have it been 11. eleven. Yeah, yeah,
1: because 2009, I was still a undergraduate student. So is that the one in Chicago that you went? I um, went to one in Chicago yeah. and then they had a couple in Orlando, you know, the wilderness years. Yes. And then yeah. – uh,
0: Years of exile. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh,
1: and then it's been in Indianapolis ever since. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I, when I came on board, I, I I think I've always felt like, oh, these guys are like 10, 15 years ahead of me mm-hmm. um, and I'm just sort of the young guy trying to soak it all
0: in while I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, there is a sense to which the young, restless reform movement has evolved into um, middle-aged, cranky, mm-hmm. and um, still, still reformed, largely yeah. reformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just fascinating to see um, how that's <clears throat> developed and emerged, and and now is, um, you know, arguably on the decline, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll see what's next, if there is something next. Well, I mean, Gospel Coalition in terms of conferences and things like that, the website, that still seems to be going strong. Yeah. Um, Even though there's plenty of criticism directed at Gospel Coalition. Mm -hmm. um, But uh, T4G was never intended to be an organization. It was intended to be a loose network of – people associated with each other. Mm-hmm. Gospel Coalition is a formal organization with employees and a website and a much more coherent um, and intentional model of ministry oh, yeah. as opposed to T4G. It's just like, yeah, we do this conference every couple of years. And That's we try really to res- it. <laughs> we really try I mean we try to resource people. You know, you know, you could get your name connected with you know, if you're looking for a church that's sympathetic to T4G, like you could get your church's name on there. So if you're looking for a church that yeah. loosely aligns with T4G guys, you could do that. But well, we should be moving on here, John. Um, we will uh, talk a little bit uh, – w- once we get back from the conference, we'll do a whole episode on reflections and things like that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, we ready to do today in sports history. Yeah, let's do it. April the 12th. Let's do it. Uh, 1960, uh, Bill Veek and the Chicago— It's
0: actually pronounced Vec, I believe. Is it
1: Vec? Mm-hmm. I know it's okay. spelled funny, but— And Chicago, uh, Comiskey Park debut, the exploding scoreboard. I have zero <laughs>
0: clue what that means. I'm not sure either. I just thought it was funny. Like, I am i don't know was if that's this like a... fireworks that like shoot off oh. from the from the scoreboard. You see, I thought it was like— The actual know... scoreboard itself just blew up. Yeah,
1: I thought there was— I thought something happened. Like I thought this was a tragedy,
0: but it says no. de- debuts. No, so no, very intentional. Uh, Bill Vec was one of those like innovative. Let's change the game. Let's you know, in, you know, try to improve it, so. jazz it up. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty, the U.S. Olympic
1: Committee endorses a boycott of the Moscow Olympic Games. Yeah,
0: feels timely. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, I imagine if there were Olympics to be held in Moscow this upcoming summer, uh there'd be some boycotting oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh
1: 1998, uh 62nd US Masters tournament, Marco Mera claims his first major title with birdie on 18 to win by one stroke over David Duval and Freddie Couples. Yeah. Marco Mera, I've heard that name in a long time. Yes. Yeah, I mean that was that was you were what like 10? Yeah, I was 10 years old. Mm, not quite. I was nine. My birthday was coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 2015, uh, the 79th U.S. Masters Tournament, Jordan Spieth uh, leads wire to wire to win his first major title by four strokes uh, from Phil Mickelson and Justin
0: Rose. Yes. Yeah. Uh, those were the uh, – there were other Masters ones I could have thrown in there. You, you sure. Know, you we're we're right in that
1: wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. So – Um. Yeah, what do you like?
0: I mean, part of me for the for the laughs and giggles wants to go with the exploding scoreboard. Yeah, but, um, it doesn't feel very significant.
1: Yeah, and part of me for like the the clicks and the SEO uh, makes me want to go boycott Moscow. You know, <laughs> and our show title would, would get us a
0: lot of clicks. There you go. Um, it, well, I, I I don't have a strong inclination here. Neither do I. Uh, let's
1: do Mark O'Mara. Okay. That, that feels good to me. Okay. One thing you liked? Uh, one thing I liked, actually something I discovered this morning. Uh, there is a podcast, and I've listened to a single episode, so take that for what it's worth. But it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast called Pour Over Podcast, and it's <laughs> – Five minutes of news and events and uh, interspersed with like, yes, this may be going on to the world, but let's remember what the promises of God says in Psalms, hmm. you know, X, X, Y, and Z, with, okay. sort of interspersed. Uh, and I, f- I thought that was a helpful balance this morning. So okay. the pour over pod, like, and it's all, it's all done in like coffee lingo, which helps, but uh, all right, let's get our espresso shots this morning. And they, they do some quick hits, you know, and okay.
0: So, just to summarize, we've got coffee as a as as the overarching kind of meta narrative slash sure. metaphor being used. The framing device. Framing if you device. Will. There you go. You've got current events. Yeah, and you've got scriptural encouragement.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm struggling to come up. If there were a sports element to that, <laughs> I would think, did John design another podcast that?
1: Uh, they, I mean, they did talk the Masters this morning. Okay, uh, so that was one of the one of the news gotcha. pieces.
0: Okay, for me, uh, this past weekend, um, our oldest son John turned twenty four. Well, he turned twenty four earlier in the week, but we got to celebrate this past weekend, so it was good to have him uh, visiting us from the Indianapolis area. Good to good to hang out with him, and um, yeah, I feel officially old having a son who's 24. Yeah. Very old. So. I'm, I'm sorry. I yeah, don't I know mean, what to say I, to you. I would I, feel I mean, too. I used to be part of the young, restless reformed. Yeah. Now I'm definitely in the middle aged portion of, mm-hmm. of, of the program here. So in any case, we have talked um, a good bit of sports. We've talked young, restless reformed. We've talked Mark O'Meara winning the masters in 1998 We've talked about a podcast that seems particularly made for John Sloat himself. And we've talked about my oldest son's birthday. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry Mm -hmm. topics. So I think all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later.